Hey guys, I'm just here to remind you that Joey Shrimp Shack has excellent t- tissue culture. What the f*** is tissue culture? They're plants. Plants? Yes. Plants. Okay. They have excellent plants, such as, oh God, Alta Arena, what? Just sound it out. <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, Amamamanina. Come on, man, Am- they're Am- vowels. Am- I Okay, uh, uh, hetero, uh, Heterorana. Just go to the next one. Uh, dildolopolis? They're no. Dildolopolis. Dildolopolis. It's, I swear that says Dildolopolis. You know what? Okay, how about this? Ran- Ranacora, Ranacorlalu, Lana, um. Just read the Last one. <laughs> the last one, Stra Straruga Rooney, Straruga Rooney. So you know what? You know what? I you know what? no, no, I quit. I'm done. But uh, it's always hard to get good help. So guys, go to joeshrimpshack.com. You can order great tissue cultures free of disease, snails tissue and culture. tissue cultures free of disease, snails and whatever else. They're eight ninety nine a piece, shipped to your door. Use promo code Aquarium Guys at checkout for fifteen percent off your entire order. Don't feel bad. No I one quit. can. I quit. I dumb. No one can it's pronounce dumb. these plants. And guys, don't forget about our friends at the Ohio Fish Rescue. They, wait, Rich? Rich, is that you? You came all the way? Wait, no. What are you doing with that? No, put that down. Wait, Welcome to the Aquarium Guys Podcast. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys Podcast, and as you can see, I am not Rob's Olsen. He is actually tied up in in the closet back there, and he's not going to be with us tonight. No, no, he wants to be. He's a little tied up right now. (laughs) (laughs) So... You guys seen that uh, the Aquarium Guys podcast just took over our YouTube channel. Well, tonight we are taking over his podcast. With That's us tonight, right. we have... Um, what do you want to call him? The uh, man, call him, the legend. The legend, just, right. Just, we also have... All the way from Boca Raton, Florida. Yes. We, we this got, is the superstar in shipping. You guys don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> this guy ships daily, so... Any questions you guys need, this man will be able to answer. This is the superstar called Rodrigo Rojas himself. <laughs> or, 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 just Air, or just Air Pymanek works, too. Air Pymanek <laughs> from Predatory Fence. Now, he's going to be here to answer all your questions and, and, and you know anything well, you need to know well, about our shipping. Questions. Our questions. <laughs> right. Rodrigo, our first question is, how come we don't have no uh, no uh, big fish from your uh, you know <laughs> selection, brother? <laughs> oh, we you, we did, we did. We shipped uh, the sturgeons, remember? The long yes, time ago, you did ship us the sturgeon. You did fly up and uh, you know did the whole Greg Woodstock uh, video. That was the fish release video. Yes, you guys should yeah. look back in our videos and see this because Rod actually he he was the man that day. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Niger cat. The Niger cat jumped out of the net from the people inside the 4,400-gallon tank. And this thing jumped. And there's only like a foot and a half room above the top of this tank to the ceiling. This fish hit the ceiling and then started heading down. Rodrigo caught it midair and ran to the pool, the, the pool pond. Yeah. 
and released it, and then yeah. I pushed him in behind. That was your way. That was your way to say thank you, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> mess you up. It, it you was awesome. It the was awesome. That's a fish that'll mess you up. Oh, that Big fish boy. has bones sticking out each side, and they will cut you. They will, you know, cut a hole in a in a pool pond. They 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 are vicious little fish, and not little. This was a four foot monster. Rod caught it like. He was holding his baby for the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope my baby doesn't look like that. Right? <laughs> Why? That that would be an improvement on you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Not on Lisa. <laughs> no. Yeah, you, got <laughs> you, you got this. This is a cute girl. And you know what? We appreciate you, how you caught that and, you know, saved our fish and then put it in the water. And I should... I look back on that time, and I should never have pushed you in, brother. <laughs> Don't, <laughs> Don't worry, worry about I it. I back. Yeah, Josh nope. got me. No, he got me back. He pushed me in later that day. That's right. That's right. That was a great fun time, though. It was a good time. It was. It was, a, it was a great time. Now, under this, uh, tonight's topic is about shipping. So we're okay. basically going to give a, a rundown from, you know, small fish all the way up to the big gigantic fish and how we should, you know, ship them and any, you know, do's and don'ts. To the people that tricks. don't know anything about it. Right. You know, we all look at each other like, oh, well, Rod's been shipping forever. He knows what he's doing. You know, you've been shipping. You know, we, we know what we're doing, but we take things for granted. So we need to get out the information for the people that don't know. And you we know? can also th throw in some story time, you know, here and there. Oh, yeah. we got a few funny stories. Go ahead. All right, so let's start with small fish, for example, right? Mm -hmm. um, we ship them UPS overnight, uh, priority overnight. So we pay a little more just for that service to be able to arrive between 10 and 12 o'clock in the morning. Well, you know what? Everybody's – the, the go-to thing used to be airport to airport with somebody that had a – an account there and it turns out ups overnight is is great and it's it's been the the new go-to thing you know so right. every, yeah it's it's working really great for everybody i i say larger fish or fish there are higher price tag on it or you know those fish definitely 100 airport to airport is the safest way right. but ups is definitely for in my opinion i tried usps i tried fedex UPS was uh, 95 to 98%. The fish arrive alive, no problem. Right, no problem. And it's a great service. So, you know, it, it, it just costs just a touch more. Right. But it's a great service. You know, it's the best. It's the go-to service of the day now. That's what everybody's using, Overnight Express. Well, I, I heard that there's people that ship like two days or three days and the fish still arrive alive. I just well, put the you know, fish that fish stress. are... are are packed in pure oxygen and they take precautions for that kind of stuff and they can last up to that. But Overnight Express is the most uh, mentally forgiving <laughs> shipping method. Yes. While we're on this topic, speaking of how long a fish can live in a bag packed in pure oxygen, what is that timeline? How long can a fish last in a bag? It depends, it depends on the, size on the bag. Yeah, well, it depends on the size of the fish and how many fish is in the bag. But I've had a uh, customer that actually purchased from another store, and he said the fish took a week to get there, and he arrived alive. It was, uh, oh, it was a, it was amazing. a channel, it was a channel catfish. So wow. you know these, 
the species of fish because, like, uh, if you guys are importing direct from country of origin, stingrays are an ideal item for shipping. The only thing problem was problematic with a stingray in shipping is if the box gets flipped over and over and over again. But a stingray has such a low metabolism rate for absorption of oxygen level. As long as it's kept at an even temperature, it won't burn through the oxygen quickly. Discus yeah. is another example as well. They're ideal for shipping. They just sit there. They calm right down. You don't even have to trank them, and they're good, perfect for shipping. But you you put anything that's a high-stress push like a iridescent shark or any barbs or tinfoil barbs or any of those speedy high energy fish, they're a nightmare. You got to trank them or something to calm them down. Otherwise they burn through the oxygen too fast and pollute the water. Saber two barracuda or pyera. Exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. Those types of fish are hundred percent better to do airport. Right. Right. I'm in Canada. I agree 100%. Big differences in Canada, you know, uh, Back in the day, we used to do airport to airport, hobbyist to hobbyist, stores to hobbyist, whatever, whatever way you wanted to do. Now, a lot of things have changed. In 2001, you, you know, the world changed in the U.S. for 2001, had ramifications globally. Uh, and then now with the new situation in Canada, I can't take a box of fish and ship it at the airport. I, even if I wanted to, I'm not allowed to. You have to be. Oh, really? You have to be an approved shipper within Canada. And my dear friend who owns a big wholesale operation here, the hoops he had to go through, he has to have biometric locks on his building. He has to have 24-7 live 4K cameras that monitor everything that they can go in and turn, check the video to show that the minute every fish that was caught is always on video from the time it's caught out of the tank till it's bagged, till the box is taped Are up. You serious? Because you're the once it leaves the building, it can be X-rayed. But with the technology today, you know, this the way the world is today, the political climate of the world today, everybody's always the the bad people are always looking for a way to screw it up, right? And, well, uh, it's, right. it's funny. It's funny you said that. I don't know if you guys heard of this, but um, years ago there was a big shipper bringing cocaine inside of that koi through Miami, and <laughs> the Fish and Wildlife officers, you know, they the first time it came, they checked it out, and they're like, wow, all, all of them came in dead, you know? So they're like, whoa, this is really weird. So the next time the fish, the shipment came in, it was double the boxes, and all the fish are dead. So one guy actually opened up the bag and flipped over the fish, and he was all stitched up, and it was full of cocaine, all, all the boxes. Uh, did, didn't you used to deal in dead koi? <laughs> listen, 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 listen. That's, that's one fish. That's one fish I don't want to deal with. <laughs> oh, that was too, but, too good to pass up. I had no. That was his buddy Ray. <laughs> <laughs> if you go back, you go back years ago. Uh, you know, when I was breeding fish on the large scale, I was always just a hobbyist. I was never a commercial exporter. But I would ship fish regularly to. I remember shipping regularly to Korea. China, Japan, some different weird countries. And back I could ship. Was easy. Uh, back, it was easy back then. I could ship air freight. It would probably cost, you know, 100 bucks Canadian, which is about $8 American now. And uh, we'd oh, use breather bags. Breather bags were exceptional because they just took, I could ship 10 times the amount of fish if I used breather bags because you didn't put any air in the bag whatsoever. And uh, I've had fish go for four days, five days. Honestly, I've actually been to a fish show and I've bought. Things like killifish, low oxygen requiring fish, bagged them up at a fish show and brought them home, everything through the whole trip home and thought I landed everything. And then weeks later, finding a bag of fish 
And you think they're all going to be dead? They were fine, just landed them. They're a little emaciated, but <laughs> it happens. It does, yeah. So while we're on the topic of uh, bringing fish across the border, while we have Ron on the podcast, I'm going to get his uh, input on this. We have a 40-inch arapaima up in Ontario right now. In Canada. That, that the guy's wanting us to rehome because he got into some financial trouble. Now he's getting rid, rid of his house and whatnot. But mm. let, me, let me say this. It's on the CITES 2 list. Coming across the border, we're kind of sketchy. We don't know. We called the Border Patrol. They uh, said, you know, no big deal, blah, blah, blah. They, they need to talk to the people in the United States. We called the United States Border Patrol. They're not open. Now, can we go up to uh, Ontario, pick up this fish, which Canada says is no problem, bring it to, Ohio, or, you know, across the border to Ohio. Hold on, and Canada is irrelevant to this one because you're not bringing it to Canada. You're taking it from Canada. Right. We're taking it to Ohio. And our, our border patrol is not open to give us any answers. Yeah, yeah. but Big Rich, because it's a sighting species, the people in Canada have to apply. You know, the reality, that, that's the, the when we ship uh, Aeropimus to Canada, for example, uh, we have to apply for a CITES here, and they have to make sure that you know, they tell them that it's a sighted species because they get inspected. Yeah. You see what I mean? Uh, right. So bringing it to the U.S., they might require to come in with CITES paperwork. And that paperwork usually takes about three to six months to actually process, too. Really? Maybe, you know, it's the wrong way, but maybe just try to bring it in without saying anything. That might be the only way if they're closed. Do you have you know anything I mean? to her? No. There you go. So well, speaking on that, we don't really want to do anything illegal. Do you happen mm-hmm. to know anybody up there by Ontario, Canada, but right outside of Toronto that would maybe possibly want this fish? I don't. I mean, we can make a video and an announcement to somebody that, you know, that can go. We did the same thing on Ohio Fish Rescue. And if you want to do it on, uh, you know, predatory fins, that's up to you. But it's a, a free 40-inch arapaima that we cannot get across the border right now because of bullshit. Yeah. But if somebody up in Canada wants it, they can give it a good home. We're, we're more than willing to give them the, uh, the location. It, it's a 40-inch arapaima, three red tail cats between 12 and 24-inch, and a pleco. Back to the discussion topic, yes. ship and fish. Shipping fish. Now, listen, here, here's two different um, opinions, okay? When people get fish shipped in and they're in CO2. O2, oxygen. O2, oxygen. <laughs> pure oxygen. My bad, my bad, my bad. Okay, when they're in pure oxygen, here's the thing. If you was to take that fish and open that bag, at that point, the pH is going to change instantly. The ammonia is going to change. Because mm-hmm. it was in O2, pure oxygen, and now you're opening it up to regular air, um, the, the, the uh, chemical difference is going to change things. Here's the bad right. thing. Now, if you get fish shipped in and it's not in O2, pure oxygen, you can float it in your tank. You can let a little water in. You can you know acclimate it, whatever, and then release it. But in fish that are in uh, pure oxygen, here's the problem. 
that pure oxygen stops a lot of things from happening. And the moment you open that bag, your pH changes and your, your ammonia level goes up. So what you want to do is pour that fish out of that bag after you've acclimated it and let it, you know, float in your water for like an hour or so, half hour. Um, you can then pour it through a net and let all the water out. And you just take the fish itself and put it into your new tank. You do not want to put the water in there and, and you do not want to acclimate that fish to because you're, you're stressing that fish at that time. When we, when we take a bag and we float a bag, the only thing we're doing is acclimating to the temperature. That's it. There's the nothing. temperature, right. But bottom line is the most important factor and the thing that's often uh, ignored by people when they're buying fish on Aquavid and they're shipping between hobbyists or stores or buying fish from Rod, what the water chemistry in the bag at the time it was bagged is. Rod, what was your right. water like when I bought the fish? It's irrelevant what it is now. I just need to know what it was like when I bought it. Because when I get it, I can just quickly test the pH. And if it came from, if it's high, the problem you run and the pH drops because of the organic load that's in the water, the minute you start dripping water from your tank into that, you're going to release all that stray ammonia and you're going to kill the fish in the in the bucket, the bag, whatever, before it even has a chance. Ammonia burn, uh, yeah, stress, yes, all kinds of things. So that's more importantly that the people know is, and nobody asks that. Nobody ever asked me when I used to ship fish, well, what's your water chemistry like? That's to me the most critical factor because that's your starting point. Because then you know where it came from, now you can work from what it is now. I think that, honestly, it depends on each individual shipment. Because I'm importing for all over the world, right? Rodrigo, uh, let's say your your pH is, uh, you know, 7.8 and you're Mm -hmm. sending to Singapore and, you know, their normal water pH is 6.0 or something. Let's do it this way. I'm importing from Colombia, right? Over there, it's acidic water, right? <laughs> so, for example, I built that that that, that um, acclimation system to make it easier for us because you're talking about 20, 30, 40 boxes at a time. It's impossible. So right. what we do is literally we look at the fish first. If the bag looks clean, the water is not dirty, okay, what we do is we get a bunch of the same fish put in a container, and then we slowly open our water, right? Our brand new water that's already filtered, and that starts washing out the old water. But we also add uh, ammonia remover in the water just to be safe for in case of an ammonia spike. So we do that to every single order that comes in. But if it's a fish that, okay, look, he looks like he's going to die, okay, the water's bad, we're going to take that fish out right away and try to acclimate as fast as possible. I don't right. suggest that because you're shocking the fish even more. But to try to save it, you know, if doing it is slow, you, if you, you're in not a, doing a terrible situation and in bad water conditions and you put it to good water, they can make a full recovery real quick. Yeah, if, if the fish is going to live, he, he will. It's better to do it faster than, than slow. But if the fish is, if they come in in good, healthy condition, like I just had a shipment from Colombia, everything was perfect. So that's what I did. I put everything in the rack, open my, my water, just let it. 30 minutes later, I take the fish out and put it in the tank. None one fish died. Awesome. You know, but I, I suggest, you know, to all my customers when they get the fish, floating in the tank is like he said, you're just doing the temperature. Just so the temperature. If, not if the you pH, can do it, not the ammonia, right. not nothing. Right. If you can do a drip system, if the, the water looks clean, you know, just do the drip system. You know, 15, 20 minutes. Take that fish out. Don't put the, the water in your tank. Just take the fish out and put it in your tank. 
hundred percent. And but what, right. one, from a chemistry standpoint that people don't may not recognize, you ask, you ask an average of current what pH is, and they just know it. Well, it's pH. They don't know anything more about it. But it basically means parts of hydrogen, right? And going from pH of six to pH of seven is not one point. It's actually ten points, and that can be very very severe. But like exactly what Rod said. Hundred percent. If you have a fish that you know looks like it's in stress, it can adapt a hell of a lot easier to dealing with levels of pH or hydrogen levels than it's going to be able to adapt to ammonia problems, nitrate problems, anything else. So exactly what Rod said, I agree with one thousand percent. Get that fish out of the water and into the tank. Thank you. I went to school for many years for this. <laughs> But you know, and, you know, and his woman slapped him around a lot for this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, we'll leave that for the next pod, next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that but, might be for the uh, for our live stream. We can, you know, get it face to face. All right, I'll be there. I'll be there Friday night. Um, but honestly, like, I think one of the subjects changing the subject real quick. One of the subjects that should be discussed for everybody to know: people buy fish and they don't have the tanks. That's the worst thing. Like, I deal with that every day. Every day. And I try to be polite because sometimes, like, I had a call the other day. The guy's like, hey, bro, my, 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 my pack was dying. What do I do? I'm like, I don't even know who you are. You know? Like, who would you get a fish from? For me? No. Then what the fuck? You know, what are you calling me? Yep. But I tried to help. But 70% of people that are buying fish right now, they do not know how to cycle tanks. Hey, Rod, let me stop you right there. The only reason we back you is because you do try and help the problem. Right. Okay? But and, I, and, you know, no, no, no. You have, you, you're, you're a pet store and you sell fish and blah, 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 but you do help the problem. And I want everyone to know this. This is why we back you. This is why we show up at your show every year. This is why, you know, we, we love you and, 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 you know, you take care and try and help the problem out there and try and educate people. We love that. Right. But what I was trying, and I appreciate that, Big Rich, but what I was trying to say is, like, sometimes people just call. They don't even say, hey, how are you? You know, they don't even care what are you doing if you're busy or nothing. You know, it's just like they call expecting an answer to save their fish. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm -hmm. it was so simple if you just did a little research. It's all over the place. You learn how to cycle a tank, no problem. Nobody looks you know, at anymore. It's just nothing. And 90% of the population don't know about the cycle of a tank. No, and that's something that is insane because this is why I envy Asians when it comes to aquarium keeping and fish keeping, okay? Yes, they might overcrowd the tank, but these guys are spending a shit ton of money on filtration and then the fish. Over here, we do right. it different. We don't spend any money on filtration, but then we want to spend money on fish. And then, then we worry why the fish die. Hey, but there's that new FX6 that should take care of all my problems. <laughs> <laughs> True. I don't, like, I don't like canisters at all, but yes. They want to buy the aquarium used at the cheapest price possible. Yes. They DIY. They want to make their own junk. They want to pressurize a five-gallon bucket they got from Home Depot and fill it with uh, hair curlers that are used. You know, and they want to do all this stuff, but then they want to go buy a $600 flower horn or a $700 this or something, and they want to throw it in the tank, and then when there's a problem, they can't understand why. Look, don't get me wrong. If you do a DIY, you do it right, yes, you, you can 100% save money. But 
look, a majority of people go, well, I, my fish die and I have it running for three months. Okay, yeah. what, what did you have it there? Just water. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, they don't know. That's one subject that people don't know. And you're on the retail side, so you get all those questions every day. Like Rich said, like, you and me have never met, but I commend you as well. Like for someone that's willing to, you work in the retail sector, you answer, you answer emails, countless emails every day. You're taking phone calls, countless phone calls every single day, and you're helping people, genuinely helping out of the goodness of your heart, but you're also doing it in a way it's an investment in yourself and an investment in your business. Everybody that phones in is a potential customer down the road if you treat them properly. And the reason right. phone, it was not just because you're knowledgeable, it's because you're exceptionally passionate about what you do and you're going to give back in that way. And maybe one day when they get the proper knowledge that you're giving them and they start reading, they start getting into it a bit more, then you're going to have a customer for life. And that's probably probably the main pillar of the success of your business. Yeah, but to be 100% honest, I just want to save the fish. <laughs> I don't even care if they call back to buy fish. It's just, it's not the fish fault that they're dying. You know what I mean? It's and because this is the, one of the, the reasons we back predatory fins. They still, you know, sell Paco, and we don't back any store that sells Paco. But that's the one main problem on our, our whole situation. But. We back predatory fins because they do care and they do try and help and they do a lot for the fish community. Do you know that every time he sells a paku, he sends a flyer and it has all the information about the paku and everything? It's for Big, it's it's for big Rich. The answer is for Big Rich. this paku and it's exceeded the size of your aquarium. No need to buy a bigger aquarium. Just contact OFR and here's the information. But see, a lot of times people... A lot of times people ask me that question, like, where all these big fish go? And you'd be surprised how many people out there have massive amount of ponds and big tanks, and they don't even want a pocket. They want monster fish. Yep. You know, to be honest with you, you might not even like this big rich, but a lot of the pockets I, I take, it goes to Hawaii. Because in Hawaii, they don't have a lot of land for cows. So they're buying Paco to grow them and breed them for food. And they're, they're, they're probably okay, one of the... let's not talk about food. <laughs> fish are not food. Fish are friends. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't eat fish. I, I don't eat fish at all. <laughs> I don't eat fish either, but the, 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 the Paco is the Paki. And in Brazil, that is probably one of the most cherished food fish because it's main diet, yes. vegetable-based, and it eats fruits. And, and eats I've fruits. heard that's really good, and I don't want to admit it, but it's really good, I've, I've been told. And, you know, here's here's another way to look at it. Is we're talking about all these big fish, and maybe some shouldn't be sold in the hobby, and some meet uh, an untimely demise due to the, the, the care given by the caregiver, and they didn't have the right size tank and stuff. And that's all true. And I, I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not saying I have a solution for that. But let's look at it on the exact opposite of the scale. Let's talk about cardinal tetras or neon tetras. These fish are harvested by the tens of millions for the pet trade globally. How many, if they catch one million neon tetras, how many of those neon tetras do you think honestly end up in an end consumer's aquarium? I bet you it's probably yeah, very little. a thousand or so. It's, a very, it's very little. Exactly. Very little. Every step away. But cardinal tetras for six cents or eight cents or 11 cents or whatever it ends up being on the whole side. But they're extremely disposable to people. A paku that's, you know, can handle. 
so, so much abuse. I don't warrant the abuse, but it can just handle poor water quality, small tanks, bad feed, and live through it all, right? It shouldn't yeah. be, but it happens. And these fish persevere through all of that stuff so they can end up one day at Big Rich's place. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get back into the talk. Rod kind of started uh, hitting on it, and he, he was talking about how he was shipping small fish and how, how he does it. We'll just climb our way up the, the ladder. Yeah, let's go up to big fish now. How the best way to ship a big fish is that's a big problem across the United States. You guys saw the vinyl bags, right, that I used before? That was my number one bag. Like, if you really want to fish to go through anything, those bags are the way to go. Uh, they're hard to get. They're very expensive, but they're the best I way. I hear you can only get them from Kevin Y. from Stingray Biology. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of true, but we're we're kind actually true. got some. We got some plans going on. We might be bringing them in and uh, start selling them. Well, they're awesome bags. We, we love them. And we for have- a bigger fish is the... You know, you have to make sure you purge them for at least a week. Oh, yes. Uh, purging people, you got to understand. Do not feed your fish for at least a week beforehand. Well, no, it depends and on what type of fish. Big monster fish, yes. Small little sped up kerosens and smaller fish that have a higher metabolism, 48 hours and tops. You go any longer than that, these fish are going to die before they get there. <laughs> You'll be weak for shipping, yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Okay, Mar- I we're talking about monster. That. And I, I believe in that. I believe what you're saying. But even uh, let's go with what I'm used to is monster fish. We even sometimes take and put Epsom salt in the water. It's a diuretic, and it makes them pass everything. Yep. And, you know, three, four, five days before shipping, we do the Epsom salt, and they pass everything. And next thing you know, they can stay two, three days in a bag of a three-foot fish and can make it to their destination. Speaking about monster fish and transport, I I know you've got some guys on the podcast tonight that know a thing or two about transporting massive, huge monster fish. And I know I personally went all the way across the United States to pick up some big old fish. My dad's made a trip to California several times. Raj transported monster fish, and I'm sure... From California. Right. The same place yep. I got the fish. <laughs> yep. I'm sure Chris has had his whole uh, ordeal of transporting monster fish at well, so we can go ahead and talk a little bit about how each of us, maybe it, it might be the same way, but we might have different ways that we transport that's, that's our true. monster fish. That, so that is great. All right, let me, let me tell you my story about going to California, and then bringing these fish back. Well, we, we don't have to talk about the story. We just talk about the, uh, the technique. <laughs> the technique, right. There you go. Okay. Now, Rod, Rod went the same trip as me, and I don't know his technique, but here's my technique. I took a, a few uh, big tubs, and I put some big fish in there, and I had a 5,000-watt inverter in my – a rental truck and I had an extension cords going in. I had heaters going. I had a um, linear air pump that ran every single uh, sponge filter that we had running at the, the rescue that was pre, you know, formulated with bacteria yep. and was running on many, many different tanks. 
I took them and kept them running all the way to California. And then when I come back, these, instead of just blowing air, I was blowing a uh, sponge filter. Just don't and, put a primate in the water, guys. Yeah, don't do prime. <laughs> don't do prime. <laughs> prime works great unless you have your son sleeping back there because you all know that story, right? <laughs> um, anyways, we we we, we ran uh, you know the uh, air air pumps and then you know and then the air sponge filters and everything was great. We didn't lose no fish on the way back the first so trip. Essentially, what that's doing, he's saying you know preceded. Filters, so you're all automatically having to put air on the, these fish. If you use a sponge filter, well, wait. Instead, if you use a a yeah, exactly a. So uh, it's not only giving your fish oxygen, but it's also filtering the water at the same time. In some of the larger tubs, we go ahead and we actually take a barrel filled with you know bio balls or whatever media you might want to do at the time. You actually take that as a pre-seeded pre filter set up, and you can stick a pump down in your water. Say it's a six-foot round tub, which is what we use at times. You start getting this water sloshing around it in there, and say you have that intake halfway down, and it, it sucks air while you're driving down the road. You might you might not see it driving down the road, but you pull over at a gas station, pump hasn't been running for two, three hours, you got a fish dying. With with a pump on it, it sucks air, it'll start right back up and you know, filter your water out. And you know what it's doing is it's taking your ammonia from your, your fish that you may or may not have not fed for three or four days like we asked you to, and they're 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 peeing. They're 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 creating ammonia. There's there's certain uh, different uh, biological aspects of this that turns ammonia into nitrites and then into nitrates and then makes it less harmful nitrates. And you know you, your fish can live with that. The, the the point is you have to have some sort of biological filtration on a long distance trip. Rods made long distance trips from uh, California all the way to Florida. I went from California to Ohio. It was a 37-hour drive, 37 hours there, 37 hours back. And, you know, the fish made it. I didn't. <laughs> I got hurt. I, I fell out of the truck. I, I ripped all my tendons off my right shoulder. It was horrible. But I was seeing things. I was, you know, hallucinating. It was, it was a horrible thing. But I, I drove 92 hours straight. It was crazy. So you, you guys got our perspective. Let's hear uh, some of these uh, other guys' perspective and how they do things. Uh, I, I do ship them. <laughs> I'm not driving. <laughs> Rod says I just ship them. <laughs> <laughs> Chris? I, I've never done anything like what you guys do. Where I live, the closest city, like the closest major city is eight hours away. All the major Canadian cities are all like eight, ten hours away from each other. It's just the way it is. So, like, I, I've never, ever experienced the way you guys have done it is you guys didn't start out at the get-go at the very beginning. Once you first started OFR, even when you first started keeping fish, saying, hey, you know, hey, I want to drive across country and I got to, you know, how am I going to go pick up a four-foot catfish? You guys didn't plan that. You've grown and grown and grown. And you guys have had all sorts of mishaps and follies along the way. And that's what makes you watching your channel so so important and so integral is the fact that it's Interesting. real. It's, it's real. You guys aren't, you know, you guys not polished. 
You know, it's, it is what it is. We're going to drive across here and we've got batteries and we've got air pumps and we've got water and there's going to be something that you're not going to think about. You know what I mean? Like you get a flat tire in the middle of the night or something and then you let the truck turn the truck off and the battery, the, the air pump kills the battery on the van. Now we're stuck here overnight. You know, there's so many things that could go wrong that you can't plan for. But you guys have been doing this long enough that you got it down to a pretty good science that you guys know that no matter where it is, hey, we want to drive to Maine to get something. You guys might just not just jump in the truck and say, hey, let's go and get it. You guys got to plan it, but you guys have done it for so long that you know what you're doing. And that's why you guys are the people that people look to for this. Sorry, I'm not I'm not talking against Rod. I just, I don't know Rod's side of it. Rod said he just ships fish. I wouldn't have a clue how to ship anything big like uh, that. I know anytime that uh, the wholesaler here gets anything big coming in and out of Brazil or anything like that, it's always packed. If it's something bitey or spiny, they put it in literally a plastic gas tank. They cut a side out of it. They throw the piranha or whatever it is in the gas tank. The gas tank goes inside a fish bag, inside a wooden crate, and then the wooden crate goes inside of a custom-made box, and then they ship it on its way. But I've never dealt with anything bigger than, like, a royal panac that's 24 or 30 inches long. The stuff you guys go oh, get. Oh, that's so little. It's cute. Yeah, look, <laughs> that thought, you know? but like the stuff that you guys have driven across country and there's been many of your adventures have been on your channel and stuff, the stuff that you guys go get, there's, that's why you are, you are who we are. Nobody else is willing to go to those lengths to the same degree. Yeah, no, Big Rich, that was that was crazy. California drive now. I uh, When I went over there, I just made, Kevin and I bought a bunch of really large boxes and we ship everybody back to Florida. Uh, it was a less, lot less stressful for us, but to get everybody packed up, you know, we mainly the main thing we do is just, we don't use their tank water. We use fresh water. And um, if the fish is like like he was saying, like if the fish is going crazy, you know, you just put a little bit of ice in the in the bag. I try to keep that ice separate. So let's say I'll get another bag, put the ice inside just to cool the water enough for them to calm down right. and ship. But that was it. Kevin was there, and, and uh, Mr. Wu told us all these things, and we took that 30-inch uh, tarpon, and we put him in the six-foot round tub and filled it full, you know, half full of water. It was about 1,500 gallons. Now, you know, we thought, no problem. I tell you what, within a half hour, that fish died on us, and it was because of sloshing around. Yeah. that we were doing while driving on the highway. It was sliding well, back and forth. Now, to be fair, tarpon are so hard to transport. It's kind of, kind of they like deep are very timid. They're, yes. That's just the fish that you you know as a fish keeper, you mm -hmm. probably shouldn't transport at but, that size. But, but I, felt at, I felt a failure. I felt like a failure because we weren't even an hour out and this fish died on us. And yeah, I but was so upset, you know? No, but that's how we learn, you know? Nobody's going to teach us how to do it. We learn on our own. Well, how so, many people know how to uh, move a 30-inch tarp? Exactly. You know what What's that? It's totally opposite end of the spectrum for you, but, like, you feel like you failed, <coughs> excuse me, about uh, moving a fish of that size. People that export Coriadoras, and, Rod, if you import Coriadoras catfish, the little the little pep corys from, from South uh -huh. hundreds of species, uh -huh. Most people never knew about it, but back in the day when you were bringing them in and 
you would lose a, a fairly large percentage of them. And people could never figure out what the trick was to shipping them. They thought massive oxygen potential or something different. No, the trick is, is the fact that quarries will stress out like crazy once they're in that environment of a box. And they release a toxin into the water that essentially is going to poison them. So people that generally really know how to work with quarries, the top quarry people in the, in the world, in the UK, in the States, in South America, what they do is once they catch the quarries out of the tank, I'm talking the tank at the packing station in, say, Manaus, Brazil, and they're ready to export that bag of quarries. They put them into a tub with clean water, and then they keep repeatedly kicking that tub for a few hours to stress out enough that they release that toxin out of their body, and they keep changing the water, and once that's done, then they package those quarries up and send them on their way. Now, how you think about that. How long would you have to figure out that was the problem with fish were actually poisoning themselves to be able to figure to ship them properly? And I don't know whoever figured it out, but I know Ian Fuller in the UK and Rob McClure in the States, like a lot of these big shippers that move quarries all over the world that are breeding them. This is a trick that they all use, and that's the only thing you can do to guarantee success rates. So it's you're dealing with a tarpon, yeah, like exactly like Josh said. That is a horrible fish to ship on a good day. Even a small one would be a horrible thing to ship on a good day. It's a challenging fish. Yeah, to this was a thirty-inch tarpon, and you know I was so so happy to have him, and I thought you know he's going to be a staple at Ohio Fish Rescue, and then I couldn't keep him alive. It was crazy. Within a half hour of moving him, he was dead, and I was—I I mean, I was in tears. I was just like, "I'm a failure." Do you guys have you ever gone in? Like, I know you transport with different tubs and stuff like that. Do you deal with seasonality temperatures? Like going to California versus Ohio, you're going to deal with master temperature swings. Do you guys insulate anything? Do you use enclosed panel trucks? Like, what do you do? Well, like, at that time, we used a, a, a truck. Now, now, mind you, nobody knows this. Okay, what was the truck called? It's called a reefer. And it's made for refrigeration. But that refrigeration truck can keep the inside of the, uh, the, the, the bed of the truck at about 80 degrees. Yeah. All we needed was 76 or so. I did not know that... You can keep, I'm looking for a heating truck, but refrigerated trucks can keep the temperature up to 76. Now, they're made for being about 40 degrees and, you know, saving produce and all that kind of stuff, but they can keep it up to 80 degrees. Well, the nice thing is we rented a, a produce truck and it kept it at 76 degrees all the way home. That's awesome. Yeah. You guys ever heard of, um, I don't know if any of you guys have any experience with this. I just know about it because I've met with them when I've gone with the, the wholesaler here to, to Interzoo in Germany. Uh, a lot of the, the massive producers of some of the best koi in the world are in Israel. And Israel as a country, all the fisheries are all biosecure, which is a huge thing in the industry right now, particularly with koi because of koi herpivirus. Now, when you talk about what the thing that they did is, I remember the very first shipment we got in from Koi, from Israel, there were probably 20 Koi, all over a foot in size. You know, they're going to be the size of your forearm, you know, the Koi itself. And it looked like they took the adult fish and threw them in the box and then misted them with an inch of water and then sent them on their way. 
And they had this little tiny, it looked, we thought it was a heat pack, but it wasn't a heat pack. And it was actually the same type of material that's used in deep sea divers masks for scrubbing nitrogen out of the air. And they had these little things taped inside the bag. Like you can't put a heat pack inside the bag because it, you know, defeats the purpose, right? Heat packs have to be taped inside the box or the lid. But this thing was called like an oxygen scrubber when it's inside the thing. I've never seen it used anywhere else in the world. I don't know if it's a cost thing. I don't know if most people don't know about it, but I'm not kidding. Did they fish live? Uh, every, not a single, like a, when we're importing from these guys in Israel, they'll pack 1,000, 1,500 adult guppies in a box. Not 500 like a Florida producer would. Like I'm talking 1,500, 2,000 in a box. Rams, guppies. And all the maybe guppies. we can learn something from them. I've never seen anything like it before. And I remember going when we were over there, the guy said he said he told us what it was and uh, you know, how the technology used and stuff. And it was all from deep sea divers. It was something called like a scrubber that was the same type of material that was used for scrubbing nitrogen out of their masks. And it, it revolutioned, especially for people like you that are dealing with larger fish and rod who's trying to ship, you know, bigger fish across the country. I think this thing could revolutionize the industry if it wasn't cost prohibitive. I don't know. So we have a question from uh, one of the listeners tonight, and they're wanting to know about placement of heat packs. He said that he was told on top of the box, but heat rises, so I assumed the bottom. The problem with the bottom is if the bag leaks, then there's no more heat pack. Yes. There you go. And also another thing I come to find out, if, if you're shipping smaller bags, and that, that water sitting directly on the heat pack, that water can get very, very hot. And uh, your fish might, you know, perish from, you know, being too hot. So mm-hmm. you always tape it to Wait, the top of the it can box. also perish from not being hot enough. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, this is the, the, the... You don't think about it the same way we do. In Canada, like in the wintertime, we're buying fish from Florida from Florida fish farms. Well, it's it's super hot in Florida, but they're Wait, going. Have you the bought from a? It's, it's freezing where we are, so we got to put in the right type of heat pack that it's not too hot when it's packed because we don't want them to cook while they're still in Miami Airport. We want the heat to kind of kick on as they're getting up north. And how long is that air pack? I, are they packed I, for? You know, we get in sometimes yeah. when we bring in from India, uh, yeah, and you have to put the, even it depending. They have to put. Uh, cold packs in the boxes in India to ship to Canada in the middle of winter. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what we have to do because it's too hot there. That brings a lot of, uh, holy shit, I didn't think about that, to the, the table. <laughs> yeah, when, when you get a phenomenal sh- shipper, these are all the things that they think of for you that you don't yep. think about. You don't know at it's all as, a, as a, someone wanting, you know, you're all you all you know is you want that fish shipped to you. Thank God there's people out there like you, Chris and 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 Rodrigo that 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 know and think ahead of time as to what to add to these fish being shipped to you. You know what I learned the other day? What's that? We were packing like I think it was like sixty boxes, and now I'm dealing a lot of with like smaller fish, like plecos and stuff like that. Every single pleco that we packed, they pooped in the bag. So we had to open all of them over again well, and repack all of them. They're poop factories. You know that. No, but look, 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 look. There's no way for you not, you know, even if you're not feeding, they're still eating stuff around the tank. 
So right. now, like like he was saying, like you now what we do is we put them in a container. We wait a couple of hours. We leave them for last. They poop all over the container. and We take them out and put them in the bag. But like that's the whole discussion we're doing. Like we you, you learn as you go. So that's what I'm saying for you, Big Rich. Don't don't feel like a failure. You know, it was a trial. It messed up. I listen. I know exactly what you're talking about. I imported a huge Tiger Ray when I first opened the business. And I was in love with it. It was like I, I, something out of a movie. I never seen one in person, and I was just so happy. And I acclimated too fast. I turned around, the things, like the pancake upside down. You know? And that was the biggest Tiger Ray I've seen in my life. So That's horrible. It, it's a mistake, you know, that we did, and we don't do it again. Hey, right. you know what? You learn from your mistakes, and you become better fish keepers from it. And you know what? People rely on you, Rod, because you are an international shipper and you supply people all over the United States with great fish. You know what I'm saying? You know, the, I've, I've, I've not heard bad things, you know, come coming back. You are a great, seriously, a great pet store and a great shipper. Fish you, store. Fish store. <laughs> what did you say? I think... Oh, pass Okay, fish I, store. No, you, you, you have done what other people have wanted to do and and dreamed of doing. You have taken over and done it. You just out of nowhere started a pet store, and next thing you know, you're taking over the country. I mean, you are doing great things. I'm in for the hobby. I, I want to see these fish. I want to make sure they're good. They're healthy. You know, it's not yeah. like I said. It's if it was just to build a store that's cheap i would just be like everybody else. but i so much money to build the displays and you know just so i can enjoy myself but also to be there for other people to enjoy kind of like what you do but totally right. different so no so well, well just know that we love what you do and we appreciate what you do and uh you know we 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 recommend you to everybody no, i appreciate man you guys are like family so speaking of shipping, to kind of go off topic just a tad bit, we uh, have our good buddy Joe Rockwell, who is also uh, one of our moderators and admins for the Ohio Fish Rescue. Well, you know, we were sitting here drinking one night. We were having a good old time. Now, my good buddy Joe, he's single right now, and he was feeling very, very lonely. So, you know, we're sitting around the table and we're, we're drinking. Wait a minute. What does predatory fits have to do with anything? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not single, Josh. I'm not single. <laughs> so, you know, we're I'm just telling the story for all the listeners okay, out there. Okay, okay. Um, so we're sitting around the table drinking. And I'm sitting there thinking. I'm like, you know what? What can I ship this poor, lonely man? So, you know, we're all coming up with ideas. And I'm like, you know what? I got it. And I go on Amazon. I'm like, you know what, Joe? What's your address? He sends it to me. I'm like, oh, you sucker. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and uh, so I go on Amazon and I type in the words pocket pussy. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> and, my God. And I, I get the, the the first one that pops up, you know, the, the, this, this supreme thing. And I'm like, you know what? Send this to Joe Rockwell. Uh, you know, you such and such dollars and ninety five cents, no problem. It, it was like fifty bucks. Oh, fifty bucks! It was, it was ridiculous. 
But, you know, we, we go ahead and we get this shipped off to him, and, and I forget about it. Like, three oh, weeks dude, we later, forgot completely. Joe k- hits me up, and he's like, you motherfucker. He's like, my mom, mom intercepted that package. She almost opened it in front of my father. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he, he proceeded to use this as a fish tank decoration. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he put it in his face tank and he was sitting at the bottom and he called it an eel trap <laughs> <laughs> well it is he calls us and he's like you know I, I hid that at your house and I'm like what <laughs> so now who knows who's going to find it no, where, wait, wait, wait. You, you're skipping over something entirely here okay. this man went through customs on an airplane with his pocket pussy. Yes, he did. <laughs> now, now, you have to be a brave man to do something like that, because they But he didn't know it was there. <laughs> he didn't know it was there if he brought it here to hide it. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, he brought it back here. Now, this man, he, he stayed here for the weekend, and then he went home, and he's like, um, I, 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 I want to challenge you guys to find... You know, that was funny. You guys sent it to me, but I left it at your house. And now I challenge you to find it. <laughs> we looked everywhere. We could not find this thing. But, but this thing is now a community one. This is basically, it's been used. It's been in a fish This is a community pocket pussy. community one. It's available to whoever stays over. Right. I personally don't think he brought it because we ripped this house apart and we could not find it. Oh, my God. We ripped this house apart. And he's single. Yes. Oh, he's still single. (laughs) All right. So we have another question from our listeners. Um, they're, they're asking about, what about using chemicals like methylene blue and clove oil? Well, clove oil has to be administered in a... a no, a, no, 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 no. We're going to be honest. Clove oil sucks. I will never use it. Clove oil, it is so just harsh on a fish. I saw one person use clove oil to, you know, put his catfish out of misery, and it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life happened to a fish. This thing was thrashing around. And, you know, you hear these stories that, you know, they peacefully just go to sleep. No, these things thrash around and you're basically putting poison in the water to, you know, sedate this fish or, you know, put them to sleep for for good, depending on how much you use. So, you know, all these good stories about clove oil, I would personally not use it. And I don't know about you guys and your experience with uh, clove oil. There's no reason for anybody to use clove oil when there's actually proper products that are available in the marketplace for shipping things properly. Clove oil for the purpose of actually euthanizing a fish or something for whatever. If you have to end up at that scenario, then I agree with that. But I agree 100% with you, Josh. Otherwise, it's, there's no way any of us can control the volume or the dosage or anything like that to administer it properly. Oh my right. God! So, so use the proper, you know, uh, products out there for shipping a fish. Um, now we have a question about methylene blue and shipping. Have you ever uh, used that for shipping, Rod? No, no. To be honest, I just use uh, brand new water. I don't use the aquarium water, and that's it. See, he's to back it. to the the, the the old adage. 
fresh water the best medicine ever. Clean, clear, good water is the best fish medicine ever. I feel like adding more chemicals to the water, you don't know what could happen, you know, in five, right. ten hours later. There, there is one thing that we used to use that we don't know more, and they, they were called bag buddies. It was a very mild, mild sedative, and they also released oxygen into the water. They were a jungle product. They also had methylene blue in them, but they also increased yeah. the dissolved solids in the bag, like, exponentially. <laughs> It was not a good product. But it was the closest one that we actually used. Yeah, I think just clean water and um, purging your fish. Clean water is the best medicine, period. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up a little bit, Josh. Rodrigo, Predatory Fins, we thank you for your patronage tonight. We, we, We appreciate you being here. And, uh, you know, we're, you're the only mass shipper around the world that we back. We love you. You're a good guy. You do good things. You, you also run a rescue. And that's down in Florida in Boca Raton. This guy goes up and above and beyond just owning a pet store. He's not there for the money. He, he's a good guy. So you guys should all... Check him out. And then <laughs> Chris Biggs, thank you for your knowledge and your patronage. We we love you. You know, you're a good guy. I appreciate you being here. Anytime, brother. Yeah, it, it's all always a great conversation with Bobos of you guys. It was a, a fun time. We had a little bit of story time. We sh- shared this uh, fountain of knowledge. <laughs> so uh, I, I thank you guys both for uh, tuning in to the OFR takeover of the Aquarium Guys podcast. Oh, yeah. Who's Rob's? Yeah. You don't even need that guy. <laughs> you don't need that guy. <laughs> we can run his show, no problem. <laughs> but don't get used to it. I'll see you guys Friday. On the- it's been a good night, night, man. Appreciate it. Have, have a good night. Be safe. Cheers, right, guys. Take care, brother. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. I never knew that a Minnesota accent could be so sexy until I heard Adam's voice. Go f*** yourself, don't you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's my boy, don't you know.